Today, Rinpoche continued his discussion on the topic of ascertaining the nature of the path leading to liberation, and specifically, the kind of life needed to halt cyclic existence. uh, so, uh, once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. And then specifically, again, the section dealing with training the mind and the stage of the path shared in common with beings of medium capacity. Uh, so when we look at that section, and specifically Lama Tsongkhapa's outline of that section, we see that there are four categories. The first category is the mental training. The second category is the measure of the determination to be free. The third category is dispelling misconceptions. And the fourth category is ascertaining the nature of the path leading to liberation. Uh, so when we look at those categories uh, um, and uh, what the meaning of them are, uh, the first category, the mental training, re refers specifically to renunciation, uh, the desire to definitely emerge, um, the determination to be free, it's translated as also. Um, so this is what the mental training is referring to. And then the second category, the measure of the determination to be free, is literally the measure of one's renunciation, um, um, what qualifies uh, as a renunciation in one's continuum. What, what is that? What is the measure of it? Um, how does one measure it? How does one know there is this renunciation? Uh, so this is uh, category number two. Then there's dispelling misconceptions and then ascertaining the nature of the path leading to liberation. So today uh, we're dealing with that uh, fourth section, uh, the jipa, uh, ascertaining the nature of the path leading to liberation. Um, so when we look at the commentary with the um, interwoven commentary on the Lam Rim, we see that Ngawa Rapje, Kung has a, a section uh, dealing with this uh, um, ascertaining the nature of the path leading to liberation. Um, but we find that there's much more information in Jayan Sheba's commentary, so we're going to refer back to uh, Jayan Sheba's category. Um, so let me um, get the page number for everybody where we're going to start. Um, So we're going to begin on page 333, uh, which is uh, where we find that ascertaining the nature of the path uh, leading to liberation. Um, and then uh, Jayan Sheba has similar categories. Um, 
to there's a translator's note. Uh, so the first category is the uh, basis um, from which uh, you you can halt cyclic existence or the the kind of base needed. And then the second category is the kind of path uh, needed to achieve liberation. Um, so the first category, in Jayan Sheba's commentary, there are four categories. Um, so we'll go through that uh, now. Okay. So when we look at this uh, specifically, this section, uh, um, which is the kind of basis you need to halt cyclic existence, it's really uh, referring to referring to country. How does this uh, come about? How how does this halting of cyclic existence um, uh, come about? Um, and uh, uh, and the kind of base needed. So the life you need to lead, the kind of base, the basis needed to uh, achieve this. So um, how this how this uh, works is the first category. Um, I'm just trying to make it uh, not as literal, um, but just kind of how, how does this work? How does one uh, get to liberation, the kind of life, the kind of base um, so this is the first category. And then we have a quote from Sri uh, Jagan Machananda um, uh, where we find the first category. Nagasuki Chiba Doji Jodanjis, and then I sent the Dujidam Chabarabes, 
Sibala, Shabatine, Luba, Shebi, 
Okay, so the first category is quite long. Uh, so I'll just read through it, and I'll just give the commentary Rinpoche gave as I go, th uh, go through each part. Um, so exhort yourself and meditate on the faults of cyclic existence. So this is this first category uh, dealing with the, the life you need, uh, the basis needed to um, become liberated. Uh, and uh, this is from uh, Sri Jagan Mitrananda. Although we have sunk into the midst of cyclic existence, an ocean of suffering with neither bottom nor shore, 
Uh, so it's saying that this is limitless. Um, we are not disenchanted. We have no fear. We are pleased and excited. What is going on in our minds? So um, knowing uh, um, all of these facts, why are we pleased? So it's questioning uh, our mental state. Uh, so the author is questioning our mental state uh, um, if we aren't disenchanted, if we don't, haven't uh, um, generated renunciation, what's, what's going on? And it says, although we have entered a fire constantly blazing, with problems, poverty, hardship in acquiring food and shelter, effort in keeping, and finally loss, as well as separation, illness, and aging, we boast of happiness. This seems insane. Um, so, um, saying that we're happy in the midst of all of these real um, problems uh, that we have because we are in cyclic existence is crazy. Um, Alas, the worldly have eyes, yet are blind. Although you see the obvious, you do not think about it at all. Has your mind become hardened? Um, so it's, it's just comparing uh, those worldly beings, those normal, ordinary beings, uh, to uh, someone who is blind um, um, because of not being able to see uh, um, um, and understand what is suffering. Uh, what, what is the nature of cyclic existence? What is the nature of suffering? Um, so we are blind uh, to that fact, the natures of these things. Uh, so that's what it's saying. Uh, although you see the obvious, you do not think about it at all. Um, so even though you see these various things happening, uh, you still remain not disenchanted. You don't generate renunciation. Um, uh, so it's like being blind, even though you can, you can see these things. Uh, consequently, as Guyadatta's edifying tale of the seven uh, maidens, so here uh, Guyadatta wrote this uh, to a king who had seven sisters. Um, so uh, that's what uh, this is about. Um, uh, and it's uh, showing um, how um, uh, one who has... Um, uh, looked at these facts um, sees cyclic existence basically one who's analyzed these facts of suffering and, and the nature of cyclic existence uh, sees the, that environment uh, we see the things of the world as wavering images of the moon and water we see attachments as shadows of hoods and coils of angry snakes so one becomes attached to forms, uh, to um, tactile sensations, to tastes, to sounds, to smells, uh, uh, to these feelings. One becomes attached to them. Um, and, and here it's saying we see attachments to those things as the shadows of the hoods and coils of angry snakes. There's only something bad can come from this. Uh, we see these beings to be ablaze with the flames of suffering. We therefore go to the cremation grounds, O King, delighting in the determination uh, to be free. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, the Ani Jopo Lagudu? 
then, uh, then you give rise to a disposition like that of a northern child. So here this is referring to a child from uh, northern Lhasa. Um, and the story goes that his mother, uh, in northern Lhasa, um, Tsampa, roasted barley flour is very rare. Um, they don't really have it. Um, so the child went in to ask his mother for some of this she had and didn't have it. But what they do have a lot of is um, these uh, uh, radishes, <coughs> turnips rather. Um, uh, so, and they prepare them in various different ways. So the mother gave the child all these different um, turnips prepared in various different ways. Uh, and he said, everything is turnips. It's all just turnips. Um, so the, the moral, to the, the point of that story is, is that um, everything in cyclic existence is just cyclic existence. It's just suffering. Um, so one should, uh, this disposition of the northern child is the story of the child from northern Lhasa uh, um, who, who recognized this. Um, so I'll go on to read the points made here, but Rinpoche gave, made a point as well before reading it. Uh, the expression... Uh, let me see. A disposition that is completely turned away from attachment to cyclic existence. When this happens, there occurs the determination to be free, a longing that delights in liberation. The expression northern child is to be understood as follows. In the north, roasted barley flour is scarce, and consequently, the inhabitants eat small uh, amounts of turnips. Once there were some children there who, being hungry and wishing to eat uh, roasted barley flour, asked their mother for food. Since she had no roasted barley flour, she offered them fresh turnip, which they refused. Uh, they, then she offered them dried turnip, uh, but they did not want that either. So she then gave them cooked turnip, but they turned this down as well. Finally, she offered them frozen cooked turnip, whereupon they turned away with a great feeling of nausea, exclaiming, Everything is turnips. Likewise, with respect to whatever worldly happiness is seen, heard of, or remembered, you must, as the Kadampa teachers have said, generate the same feeling, thinking, this is the world, this also is the world, everything is suffering, and I want nothing to do with it. Chiwatoma ne so now we get into category number two. 
In this way, uh, by contemplating your previous beginningless wandering through cyclic existence, you become disenchanted and revolted. By contemplating the necessity of continuing to wander here indefinitely, indefinitely, you give rise to fear and anxiety. With a determination that transcends mere words, you must, as Nagarjuna's friendly letter says, stop your birth in cyclic existence, the root of all harm. Um, and then we have a quote from uh, Nagarjuna's letter to a friend. Cyclic existence is like that, birth. Whether in the lands of deities, in humans, hell beings, <coughs> or animals, it is not auspicious. Understand that birth is a vessel of much harm. Uh, what is more, you must eliminate both causes of birth and cyclic existence, uh, karma and afflictions. So karma and the afflictions are uh, what gives rise to cyclic existence, but the primary, the chief, are the afflictions, because even if... Uh, um, uh, you don't have any more propelling karma for cyclic existence. If you have afflictions, you will create it uh, so that more cyclic existence will occur. Um, so, uh, still, between these two, if you have no afflictions, you will not take birth, no matter how much karma you have. Hence, you should destroy the afflictions by cultivating a path that is complete and without error. Because once you have afflictions, even if it were possible to eradicate previously accumulated karma, you would immediately accumulate new karma. Um, so here, uh, if uh, a photo destroyer has still the propelling karma to have uh, uh, the experience of rebirth and cyclic existence, but he or she no longer has the afflictions which act as the cooperating condition for this arisal. So therefore, he or she can never again be born in cyclic existence without, because that cooperative condition isn't present. Um, so uh, that is what uh, is meant by this section. Um, uh, you will not... Uh, um, you will, so uh, the other point that's made is that it... it uh, I think I already stated it, even if you do... Um, not have any more of that propelling karma. If you have afflictions, you will immediately act. You will create new karma, which will then uh, be a propelling 
um, uh, agent uh, back uh, uh, into cyclic existence. So we find a quote from the Pramanavartika Karika, uh, that, that's the um, commentary on the compendium of valid cognition that points this out. The karma of one who has transcended craving for existence lacks the potency to project another birth because its cooperating conditions are gone. Um, so here, uh, this is speaking of um, um, a foe destroyer uh, who has transcended cyclic existence. Um, um, he or she no longer has afflictions. So because those afflictions aren't present, there is no cooperating condition present for the arisal of um, another rebirth in cyclic existence or the arisal of cyclic existence. When we look at faux destroyers, there's two different categories. Faux destroyer with remainder and a faux destroyer without remainder. The remainder is referring to the, the aggregates, the five aggregates that are still left um, from uh, um, uh, the life in cyclic existence. So. Uh, someone, uh, just as a translator's note, someone who achieves a state of faux destroyer, uh, say in this life, in this body, hasn't died, is a faux destroyer, but still has this body. Um, that's with re the, what a faux destroyer with remainder is referring to. There's still a remaining uh, aggregates of cyclic existence, but there isn't that suffering present. Um, there are no longer any afflictions. Uh, there's still uh, this type of faux destroyer still has a large amount of propelling karma for cyclic existence, but those afflictions are no longer present. Uh, and a faux destroyer without remainder is one who has then um, passed, uh, no longer has those aggregates remaining uh, from the, the birth and cyclic existence. Um, so uh, that's what the difference between those two categories are. Um, and that's why a faux destroyer doesn't take another birth on no matter what because the cooperating conditions aren't present. So we find that quote from the Pramanavartika Karika, which supports that, which we previously went over. Um, and I think that's it. Dikson Rinpoche. Ne cuit de rien de cas, une jumba la pomba la, 
ทางกงบาลาราเลสอสวัดเจบาเลสอสตาเนปาทามาทามาติชิสุมบาเนเจบาเจบาเจบาตินจุมบายอสสุมบาติชิชิงสุมบาเลตันยมบาตุบาลา
Um, so now we get into uh, uh, the giant Sheba, the Nipa, Kutsogudue. In a giant shape of the Ewanyi or a den down the the now we get to the second category of Jayan Sheba's um, commentary, uh, which was the, the path. Now, this then has two categories, which are Lama Tsongkhapa's two categories, the kind of life through which you halt cyclic existence and the kind of path uh, you cultivate to halt cyclic existence. So this is the second category of uh, Jayan Sheba's um, outline. Uh, so, ascertaining the nature of the path leading to liberation has two parts. The kind of life through which you halt cyclic existence, the kind of path you cultivate to halt cyclic existence. So, what kind of basis do you need to uh, abandon cyclic existence? Uh, can you do it uh, from the lower realms, uh, the higher realms of cyclic existence? Um, so, the lower realms of cyclic existence, hell, hungry, ghost, and animal, uh, are not basises from which you can halt cyclic existence. Um, so. Uh, what what type of basis is needed? Um, so that's what the point uh, that will be made here uh, in this next section. Um, sure. So there's 11 parts to this first section. Jayukame Mohumbajikitelatanjumudu the kind of life through which you halt cyclic existence. And now we have a quote from Nagarjuna's letter to a friend, again, uh, and it goes over the um, eight leisureless states. Um, so when we um, speak of the eight leisures and ten opportunities or ten endowments, um, this is where we find the eight leisures cited. Um, and um, Okay, so 
to be reborn with wrong views or without a conqueror's word, or as an animal, a hungry ghost, a hell being, an uncultured person in a border region, a stupid and mute person, or a deity of long life, is to be afflicted by one of the eight faults that are conditions which lack leisure. After you have attained leisure, which is freedom from these uh, rebirths, uh, strive to end birth. It is not possible to stop birth and cyclic existence if you have no time. Therefore, once you have obtained a life of leisure and opportunity, you must stop it. I have already explained this. Um, so again, previously we went over those um, um, eight leisures and ten opportunities. And a leisureless state is a state from which one uh, can't practice dharma. Um, one cannot get rid of the afflictions. Um, a state of leisure is a basis from which the afflictions can be eradicated. Um, so these eight are states which one can't eradicate the afflictions from. Um, and a state of leisure is one in which the, the practice is possible, uh, which allows one to abandon those afflictions. Um, Dixon. Yes, man. It's... Okay, yeah. Uh, so we'll take a short break. Um, it's 9.56-ish. So we'll take a short break. ほとんどばす。ピーさん。ほとんどじゅじゅのにばてんでれ。ばさ。ねんじゅべちゃんびしねせ。たかなびきしねちんじろ。ばさ。ねんじゅべちゃんびしねえ。たれんしゅれしら
راجون چود چوبه که به رادشون والا ما با گاش آوز نکه با تو وقتی رادشون والا گاب چیگوارس چیم بیچون چیم بیچون در Timbijun tu dönece şatan be şatan yedova mebala mune doğan zim dova zimbane lenge bi debeşe başate çeroles çoradayı çilane naya dova masajis çin çit sohona mres şu kayana yuyan onu vate çerogilmo Cherogulmote Çinan çala dabıca mutu ne vatı, şubu yine vatı kangeme bu yuvarı. Çubu yine vatı çala de zuyak döndürlerden kangeme bu yuvarı. Çinin suyu nyomula, çala mabı yöne çala suyu dabıca kangeme yuvarı. Ne bat çubu dila, ne bat suyu şatan o, şu kanyana yuyarı, kana deva mecuba, tala gava muba ne, Çinanneba jentonasa timbata Okay, so now uh, we get into uh, number three. Um, it shows how uh, one who has um, gone forth, that's literally what Rapjong means, to go forth, and it means to become ordained. Um, so one who has gone forth has less obstacles than uh, someone who has not. 
Uh, so it's showing the householders' um, obstacles. Um, so it says, for those who have obtained a life of leisure and opportunity, dwelling in a house <coughs> presents many obstacles to the practice of religion and has numerous shortcomings. However, the life of a renunciate being the opposite of that is the very best for stopping cyclic existence. The wise, therefore, should delight in such a life. So the wise should de delight or like a life of uh, renunciation, a desire to emerge that has gone forth um, because it's the best life um, for that purpose. It's the most uh, conducive for that goal. Um, so they should delight in having that opportunity. Repeated reflection on the faults of householders and the virtues of renunciates will lead those who have already become renunciates to have a firm attitude, while leading those who have not yet become renunciates to develop good inclinations uh, to become renunciates and develop good inclinations, I'm sorry, to become renunciates and the like, and then act on them. I will explain uh, how this is so. Householders, if they are wealthy, suffer in their efforts to protect that wealth, and if poor, suffer from exhaustion brought about by seeking wealth. In this way they lead confused lives that have no pleasure, and they imagine these lives to be pleasurable. Understand that this misconception is the result of bad karma. And now we have a quote from the Garland of Birth Stories, the Jatakamala, Jerup. Never consider a pleasurable as pleasurable the household, which is like a prison. Whether they are rich or poor, those who dwell in households are greatly ailing. One undergoes afflictions by guarding wealth, while the other becomes exhausted by seeking it. Whether they are rich or poor, they have no happiness. The confusion that delights in the householder's existence is merely the consequence of sin. Uh, therefore, keeping many possessions and uh, discontentedly seeking more is not the business of renunciates, if it were they would not differ from householders. Okay, that's it. Uh, so that's all number three. And then furthermore is where number four starts, the fourth category. Uh, let me just... Yeah, that's it. That doesn't matter what the ne so when we look at uh, um, the two um, different ways in, in which one seeks goals. Uh, one would be seeking goals for oneself, uh, for one's own purpose. And then others, uh, the other way is to seek, um, uh, meet goals for others or to uh, work for others' purpose, work, work for others. Um, so uh, the one who works for themselves um, and does this um, for that purpose has very small kind of uh, um, 
kind of realization. Whereas someone who works for others' needs has a much greater, uh, broader uh, realization of that. Um, so it'll then uh, get in, it will later get into this point uh, about the, the motivation um, and the point behind what one is, is doing. Um, do you know what the never to go there ตบตุตุมาวะเนมะสุงดัวอันนี้ชิดิเลดูนะชินะชินะเนจะตบยูสดูกีนะชิมบายเนตบตุตุเรสดูนะชินะเนจะตบยูชิดิมาเรสชิ
who's responsible for Kala Chakra practices, was also a householder. So if you go to the practice as a householder, it's sufficient. It's okay. Mm. Uh, so uh, now we get into number four. And Rimshi saying that it's all very similar, but here we're going to goes over all these downfalls of the householder's life. Um, but all, all lives have very similar um, problems, Rimshi was saying. Um, uh, so then we say. Let's see, hold on a second. I read the quote from the Garland of Birth Stories, the first one. Start with furthermore. Okay, so I read down to there. So number four, I just want to make sure I didn't miss, I didn't, I read to the, Furthermore, okay, so this is number four. Furthermore, since living in a household is at odds with religion, it's difficult to practice religion there. The same text states, if you do the business of the household, it is unfeasible to refrain from speaking falsely. It is unfeasible not to punish others who, have, who do wrong. If you practice religion, householder pursuits suffer. If you attend to the household, how can you practice religion? Religious activity is not peaceful. A householder's aims... 
uh, are achieved through ruthlessness. Therefore, because of the flaw of being at odds with religion, who desiring to help others would live in a household? Uh, a household is a nest of vipers, uh, such as arrogance, pride, and delusion. It destroys tranquility and the bliss of happiness and is a place of many unbearable sufferings. Who would stay in a place uh, so similar to a snake pit? Um, uh, contemplate uh, so similar to a snake pit. Then the long tsar, the jipa tsar, Nabba Jason. <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, contemplate, uh, so number four goes on, contemplate again and again the defects of dwelling in a household and inspire, aspire to a life uh, of a renunciate. Uh, in reference to this, renunciates, hold on, let me see, Dayan. I think it's just right there, to the life of renunciate. Napa? Damn, you <laughs> Mamma, 
So, in reference to this, renunciates are content with alms, simple religious robes, and uh, alms bowls. In solitude, they remove their afflictions and aspire to become objects of others' veneration. Um, and then it says, as it says in Guyadada's edifying tale of the seven maidens. So again, this is uh, the quote uh, from the uh, the seven maidens, being the sister of the seven sisters of the king, who uh, were renunciates, who went forth, became ordained. Um, when will uh, we thus come to shave our hair? Dawn clothes from the garbage and seek solitude. So here, shave the hair like the um, that of a monk or nun, uh, using clothes that aren't new. So here, this dawn clothes from the garbage and seek solitude is just meaning not wearing something fancy, wearing something old that someone else has already used. Um, uh, gazing ahead only a yoke's length, when will we, blameless, take in our hands earthen alms bowls, and from household to household partake of alms, attached to neither material gain nor veneration, cleaning up the bramble swamps of the afflictions, when will we become recipients of the townspeople's donations? Um, so uh, here, um, this is uh, um, previously uh, when monks and nuns would go out to beg for alms. And they had two bowls, and the bowls uh, were black um, in color. Um, I know in uh, our world that black isn't a color, it's a shade, but in just as a note, uh, when we look at the colors, black and white are colors um, in the, the Buddhist texts. So just as a note. Um, so the color black, uh, the bowl is said to be, has to be the color black. Um, and there are two, one for drinking uh, and one for eating. So one has for tea and liquids and the other bowl is for food, uh, solid food. Um, but this tradition, um, when Nalanda Institute was made, really stopped because there were thousands of monks uh, and how could they go out into the street and there wouldn't be any way for them to get food. So then they made it like a regular institution with a kitchen and uh, um, food that, are, that is made on premises. Um, so the tradition of begging for alms uh, was no longer um, at that point. Um, but that's what is meant uh, previously. That was the tradition. Um, and they would wear... Uh, very, uh, they would, the monks would go 
uh, and nuns would go out and beg for their alms, and they would be, have to follow these very strict traditions of wearing uh, the robes in a very specific way, walking in line in a very specific way. And the reason for this was to try to um, invoke uh, faith or uh, to um, cause faith uh, in the in the observers, uh, so all the householders and so forth that are donating and that are seeing this procession of the ordained, uh, then aspire to at some point in their future uh, become ordained as well because of seeing the beauty of this very this line and that the the robes are are in a very very specific clean way. And that's where it says, uh, become objects of others' veneration. What this is meaning is just trying to get others to have faith uh, also in the Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha. So uh, that's what is meant uh, by this and um, why the roles are, there were so many roles when, when monks and nuns went out into public. It was so that others would then see them as a, uh, um, as a wonderful object uh, um, and then um, generate faith. But then the other was you know, never, never know there's a story of uh, Chandrakirti, uh, who was a great Nalanda master, uh, and there was no uh, milk for the monastery, and Chandrakirti was able to actually um, take a picture of a cow uh, and milk the picture of the cow and provide milk for the entire monastery um, because of his um, magical powers, his, uh, his realization, level of realization and abilities. Um, so he was able to milk a picture. Huh. Tala. Okay, so um, we so there's this story of uh, being able to um, um, where Chandrakirti was able to to milk this picture of the cow um, because at the time there weren't any cows uh, that were present um, for him to be able to um, uh, provide milk for the monks. So he was able to do this um, through his his powers. If you're able to, if one is able to um, generate these kinds of levels of renunciation, then this is very good, but it's quite difficult to be able to um, achieve such feats. The achievement of such feats is quite difficult. Rangi, 
Mabba Nashikanzo Nye Um, so Rimache uh, went through the um, Guyadada's edifying tale of the seven maidens. Uh, when will we thus come to shave our hair? Um, so uh, in the um, text, uh, it's in the Vinaya, it's where it speaks of um, uh, rules for ordained. Um, it speaks of shaving uh, the hair. Now, um, specifically, it's speaking of shaving one's head. Uh, and then any kind of uh, facial hair, beard, um, mouth facial hair. Um, it does not say to shave one's eyebrows. There are uh, some traditions where um, monks in Thailand actually um, interpret this in such a way that they shave their eyebrows as well. Um, but nowhere in the, the actual texts uh, does it say to do that. Um, when we actually analyze the text, it speaks of the mouth and the head, um, and not the um, uh, eyebrows whatsoever. Um, but there are some who have interpreted it in, in another way. Um, dawn close from the garbage and seek solitude, gazing ahead only a yoke's length. So one isn't supposed to, when they're walking in a procession, um, look very far uh, and looking around. One is only supposed to look ahead in a very short amount of space. It says a yoke's length. Uh, so very just you know, a step in front. Um, one isn't to be looking all over. When will we blameless take in our hands earth and alms bowls and from household to household partake of alms? Attach neither, um, attach to neither material gain nor veneration, cleaning up the bramble swamps of, of afflictions. When will we become recipients of the townspeople's donations? So when will we become worthy of this uh, veneration, it's when we don't need this veneration or 
or need this material gain uh, when we have actually uh, uh, this emer desire to definitely emerge, um, this renunciation. Um, so it says, renunciates are content with meager food. Uh, and, uh, Okay, so uh, then that the quote is where number five ends, and six begins with renunciates are content. <laughs> so you'll even see in Bodhagaya, you'll see some monks smoking cigarettes. Um, and when this looks curious, and when asked, the monks will say, and nowhere in the Vinaya does it say that we can't smoke cigarettes. There's nowhere that you find this. So uh, they, you, you'll actually see them doing this in, in uh, Bodhagaya. In Thailand, Thailand kuna. Thailand Maybe Burma too, but the, you'll see them smoking uh, cigarettes, and they're uh, fully ordained. Uh, so they'll be uh, going around the stupa, circumambulating the stupa, and smoking a cigarettes. And say so they say the Buddha didn't say anything about this. Okay. So the, um, the, the Buddha did speak of not onions and garlic um, because of this bad smell. Um, so this would be maybe very similar to smoking. Uh, I said, that I just posited that drinking tea and smoking is the same thing because it's both a mind and mood altering. So Rinpoche said, then he said that the smoking, though, gives off this bad smell. Um, they'd be similar maybe than the garlic or onions. So we are, we are, um, are told not to smoke, um, but then it looks so strange when you see them smoking, but they say that the Buddha didn't state anything about this. Um, so it's, it's strange. Rimshi's just saying it's strange. Uh, so if you were to say, where is this, where can you find this? You would say, well, you can find it in advices like the, where the onions and the garlic advices are. This gives off a similar pungent aroma. No Nene the Zondang Gupa Sa, then Tama Tang Chipa. 
Okay, so if you uh, if you have some kind of re- um, like it's basically like saying I'm so sorry I'm doing this. You have some side of regret while doing. Uh, I said so. If you eat garlic and onions, it's no different than smoking a cigarette. And right? she said yes, it's the same. He said, but when you partake in things like this, you could say, I'm sorry, I'm partaking in this. Um, uh, but you can't do that with a root vow or any of the, um, you know, kind of root um, infractions. But when it's something that's kind of secondary like this, um, then you can, um, you know, say, you know, have, have some sort of, uh, it's almost like regret, I'm sorry, combined before doing it and then partake in the onions and garlic. So maybe that's enough for now. You actually see it in the action tantra commitments too. And it's all it's said because uh, certain gods and so forth can't come in the room because of the smell is so bad. Cultural differences. Italy. Okay, so we'll do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. <coughs> it's funny when you look at what non-virtue really is and how we have these kind of projections on what we think is bad and what is good and it's kind of all the same. It's all... Turnips. <laughs> the fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Jatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tujiram Shigutishapi Denrolan. Tujiram 